You are listening to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. Around Dodge City, in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gunsmoke, the story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it, Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Clay Richards. Clay Richards. Age 31. Height 6 feet. Eyes brown. Hair red. Eyes brown, hair red. Hey, how'd you like me to print his picture on these notices? I got a woodcut. Let me show you. Ernie! Yep? That's your marshal a copy of that front page. Interviewing Clay's wife yesterday, I noticed a tintype on the mantle. Their wedding photograph. So, first thing you know, I sniffed it. It's very thoughtful. Yeah, oh, I'll take it, Ernie. <laughs> and then I propped it up in front of me and carved me this woodcut. Ain't she prime... Ain't she just elegant? Real elegant. Good likeness, don't you think? Of course, he was seven or eight years younger with the type. Yeah, it's a good likeness. Doesn't show what makes a law-abiding man like him try to rob a bank. Doesn't look like a man who murdered an old cashier and a Chinese cook who just happened to be there. But it's a good likeness. Yes, sir, it is. A picture like this sure dresses up the front page, don't it? Yeah, it's a little masterpiece, Mr. Hightower. A notable contribution to the culture of Dodge City. Well, thank you, Marshal. Does fetch the eye, don't it? I'm printing an extra 500 copies of the weekly, and I bet I sell them all. Too bad the cashier's shot went wild. If he'd managed to kill Clay or even wing him, why, I bet I could sell a thousand extra copies. We must be thankful for the blessings we do receive, Mr. Hightower. Oh, I am, Marshal, I am. Why, just before it happened yesterday afternoon, I didn't know what I was going to fill my columns with. And then, like manna from heaven, two murders in the bank robbery. Attempted bank robbery, Mr. Hightower. He turned and ran for he got his hands on so much as a dollar. Yes. Still, as you say, like manna. Dylan, I... I I'm talking you. business. What is it, Chester? Well, it can wait, I guess, Mr. Dillon. Yeah, print Clay's picture on those notices, Mr. Hightower. Now, where were we? Uh, eyes brown, hair red. Oh, yes. Also known as Red, Bricktop, and Sorrel. He uh, didn't answer to no other nicknames, did he? No, that's what they called him. All right, then in big letters, $400 reward. Dead. And at the bottom, apply Matt Dillon, Marshal, Dodge City. Mm-hmm. And I print 200 copies. How soon can I send Chester over for him? This afternoon. Good morning, Mr. Hightower. Chester.
think those posters will do any good? Richards is probably over the line in Oklahoma or Colorado by now. That strawberry roan of his is the fastest in the county. He has no money. He panicked and ran out of the bank before he got a penny. I think he'll try to get help from his wife or brother or a friend the first chance he has. Maybe tonight. I say he's around here somewhere. I, uh... I'm sorry I turned on you like that, Chester. Why, that's all right, Mr. Dillon. Out all night with a posse, no sleep, man's bound to get touchy. No, it's not that. It's, it's the, the way... It's the way people use a thing like this. The men riding posse last night, they enjoyed it as though they were hunting fox or possum. Hightower back there, he acts like it was a birthday treat, specially gotten up for him. Everybody finds a way to use it. Uh, what, what was it you wanted to tell me? Hmm? Oh, I, I got a kid, a, a little boy, locked up in the cell. Uh-huh. He run away from home, back in Cottonwood. Ed Slade turned him over to me when he come through on the stagecoach just now. Kid about 12 years old. Who's is he? Widow woman, Miss Bonnie. She runs a boarding house in Cottonwood. Ed says the kid's always running away a little while, I guess. He flagged Ed for a ride on the road halfway between there and here. Soon as Ed seen him stand there with his bundle on his shoulder, he knowed what he was up to. So he told the kid he'd help him and then turn him over to us when he got here. All right, we'll send a telegram to the mother to come fetch him. Well, come on in, Chester, and shut the door. Mr. Dillon? You're letting in every horse fly in Kansas. Mr. Dillon, I think you better cancel the order for them notices. What? The Dutchman's coming up the street. And he's leading a strawberry roan, and Clay Richards is draped across his back. Like a sack of wheat across the saddle. Last time I saw him, two days ago, he was standing at the bar laughing his head off. A sack of wheat across the saddle. And followed by half the saloon bums and loafers in town. All right, Chester, make him keep back. All right, now stand back, you fellas. Come on, now, back. Stand back. Ziegler. How did it happen, Ziegler? My goat, my old billy goat, he pushes open the fence last night and runs away. Forget your goat. What about Clay? Yeah, I, I tell you. This morning, I go to look for a goat. I walk here, there. From near the river, I see Clay. He sits there. I say, hello, Clay. The gates. You dirty Dutchman. You know the dog. Clay was your best friend. He helped you buy your farm, so you killed him. All right, all of you. Keep back, everybody. Clay, me? No, no, my brother, he was like, we was in the war together. Peter, listen. You killed him for the war. Not so. I killed nobody. Not, not since Gettysburg. Clay is dead already when I find him. I don't even own a pistol. Ziegler, inside, quick. Yeah, yeah. Chester, give me a hand with Clay. All right, all of you. Listen up. Chester! I will not tolerate a disturbance. You know me. I got him, Chester. Take his leg. All right, kick the door shut. Marshal, I don't kill Clay. On this table, Chester. What'd you do with Clay's gun? His holster's empty. Gun? Clay's? 
ain't got it. I don't even own one. Chester, see if it slipped out. His holster was empty coming up the street. First thing I noticed. Maybe it's over on the... Another customer? Why, that's three in less than a day. Oh, bountiful harvest. My fees this month will keep me in luxury. In luxury! Doc, I want to have an inquest as soon as possible. As soon as I finish the autopsy. Shouldn't take long with the practice I've had this week, huh? (laughs) No. Late afternoon all right with you? I'll take him up to my office right now. No, thank you, Chester. I can carry him all by myself here. You just open the door there like a good fella. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, Marshal, tell the city fathers I'd like to make a deal when the corpses are as famous as this one. <laughs> Back in 53 in San Francisco, a fellow I knew earned a fortune exhibiting the head of Joaquin Marietta. Tell them if they let me keep the remains... I'll do the autopsies for nothing. Shut the door, Chester. Ziegler, where is it you met Clay on the river? By the fort. This side, by the fort. Right out there, Chester, and see if you can find Clay's gun. Maybe he dropped it when he was shot. I did not shoot Clay. Sure. I did not. I had no reason to. I did not. I did not. Now, you listen to me. Maybe you think Dodge has got so big, I don't know about everything that goes on here. Well, if you do, you're wrong. If you think I don't know about the bank having an overdue mortgage on your farm, you're wrong. $400 is reason enough for a struggling farmer like you. No. I could not do such a thing. I am a human being. To a peace officer, Ziegler, that's enough grounds for suspicion. But whether you did it or not, we decided it's your trial. In the meantime, you just stop yammering about it. Trial? Me? Even when I shoot somebody, I stand trial. If they find it's justifiable homicide, and they probably will, Clay being a wanted man, then they'll let you off. And if not... Please, I am permitted to go now. Go? Are you crazy? I found this stock. I, I must look after it. You sit right down. You want to be lynched? You're trying to get yourself murdered? Have you forgotten about Clay's brother, Adam? Would not believe I shot him. What difference does it make whether he believes it or not? His brother's been killed. Everybody's looking to him to do something about it, and he knows it. You want me to guess where he is right this minute? He's in one of them saloons, lapping up courage to come in here and ask me to give you to him for a present. You want to know who's with him? Ever loafer, ever bum, ever slob in town. Slapping him on the back and telling him what a shame it is. Taking him on to kill you so that they can have some excitement and some fun. Maybe you deserve killing, but it's my job to uphold the law, and I'm not letting you out of here. What? You might spend your time trying to think up a better story. That is, if you intend to stay in this town. All right, now think back. Didn't Clay go for his gun before you shot him? I tell you, I didn't. If I'm not under arrest, you have no right to keep me here. I got to look after my farm. I go. All right, Chester, lock him up. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Come on now, Ziegler. Step out, Sonny. This cage is bespoke. Who's in there, Chester? Yeah, that little old runaway from Cottonwood. Oh. Yeah. Come over here, son. Come over here to me. I know who you are. <laughs> you do, do you? You bet. You're Matt Dillon. <laughs> Guilty. I know you right off. He was pointed out to me one day back home. Filler says you was the fastest gun thrower in Kansas. <laughs> Wyatt Earp wouldn't be awful interested to hear that, I'm afraid. Filler says you was faster than older. Faster than Wild Bill Hickok in Hay City and Bat Masterson or any of them. How many fellas have you killed? You don't keep score, son. 
It's something you try to forget. Not me. Someday I'll be famous like you, and for every filler I kill, I'll, I'll put a notch on my gun. People see those notches, and they'll know they better not try. Why'd you run away from home, bub? Don't you know your mother's likely to worry about you? Oh, she won't worry. She's too busy working. You ain't gonna make me go back, are you? You wouldn't do that, would you? Well... Because it wouldn't stop me for long. I'd only run away again. Oh, where are you off to in such a sweat? Oh, Texas, California, Mexico. Fellow can accomplish things there, not like living in old cottonwood. If you let me go, someday when I'm famous, you can tell people you helped get me started. (laughs) Well, that's, that's a pretty strong inducement. Um, I'll have to think about it for a while. And, uh, look, uh, while I'm making up my mind, I, I want you to give me your word. The word of a man who'll be famous someday that, uh, he won't try to run away from me. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll have to have Chester lock you up again. I'll shake on that. Good, good. Uh, Chester, I want you to go look for Clay's gun. Yes, Mr. Dillon. And uh, on the way, stop off and send that, uh, telegram. You know? Hmm? Oh, that telegram. Uh, yes, Mr. Dillon. I'll Where's Ziegler? Line. It's all right, Chester. Go ahead. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. Where's that murdering dog? Oh, there you are, you... Not a first. single step further, Adam. I want him, Dillon. He murdered Clay, shot him down without giving him a chance. How do you know? Because Clay wouldn't have let anyone catch him off guard except a friend. Dylan, give me that Dutchman. Try to take it. It's like that? It's like that. And it's true what the fellas say. You made a deal with the Dutchman to give him the reward and protect him if he'd kill Clay for you. That was the deal, was it? Yeah. The fellas say why I'd make such a deal? Dylan, it ain't no longer a secret around town that you and Francie want each other. But Clay was in the way you had him killed so you could get his wife. Do you deny it? No. No. It'll serve as well as any other crazy story. It'll work you up. You think you're safe behind that star, don't you? Well, Clay had friends, lots of them. I'm coming back with them friends, and we'll get the Dutchman and you and anyone else who tries to stop us. All right, Adam. I'll be waiting. Yeah. You wait. I almost seen something pretty just then, didn't I, Mr. Dillon? Yeah, almost. Not another pint of whiskey ought to do it. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment, but first... Many radio shows win high popularity with the prizes and cash they give away. But there's one show that's tops because the head man gives away as little as possible. What other radio program could it be but the Jack Benny Show? So be listening. And now, now, with William Conrad starred as Matt Dillon, here's the second act of Gunsmoke. Uh, yeah, open my drawer in front of you there. You'll find a small bottle of oil in there. No, no, the one to the right. Yeah, that's it. Now, bring a little brush, too, huh? 
Here it is. Thanks, bub. It's a right nice gun you have. Yeah, it's not bad, but a little stiff. Just a little stiff. Do you want to have a trigger? I never seen no gun without a trigger before. Oh, you remove a trigger or uh, tie it back against the guard. And all you have to do is uh, thumb a hammer. Yeah, like that. It's faster. <laughs> yeah, that's better now. Remove the trigger. I'll remember that. What in the world for? Well, I remember everything you told me. About the Texas holster and the spring holster and the double roll and filing off the site. It's just me, Mr. Dillon. Oh, any luck, Chester? No, sir, not any. I went to the store first and asked Mr. Denton what kind of ammunition Clay Richard used to buy, and he told me Clay had a double-action forty-four. I scarred that riverbank a half mile each way from the ford and not a sign of it. Yeah. I got that telegram off. You know who ought to be here pretty soon. It's only seven, eight miles from... Is that a fire in town? Funeral services for Mr. Grinnell, the cashier. So soon? It's awful hot weather. Yeah. Um, any of your guns need oiling? Justin? I don't think so. You sure? When Adam left, he said he'd be coming back with some friends. I know. I stopped at the Alifaganza just now to rinse out my mouth. Adam was there talking mighty ugly and mighty big. He's got a size of a fallen. Uh, when do you think? Any minute now, Mr. Dillon. They want me to take Bob out of here to one of the hotels, maybe? I want to see you. No, I think you'll be safer here, Chester, behind stone walls and dodging about the streets rubbernecking. You keep your head down, sonny, you hear? There's a... Matt, Matt, I've got to talk to you. She ought to be in mourning. If she cared for Clay at all anymore, she ought to be in black. Matt. Oh, Lord, I find her more beautiful all the time. Matt, have you heard what they're saying? What are they saying, Francie? That you and me, that, that you made Pete Ziegler kill him because I... I'm sorry that got back to you, Francie. It's all over Dodge. Adam almost strangled me before they dragged him off. Francie, I didn't shoot Clay. Francie, I beg you, believe me. Shut up, Ziegler. Shut up or I'll put you to death. Francie, it's just one of those crazy stories. They needed one and they made one up. But, Matt, everyone believes it. On my way down here, people were pointing, whispering. Old women clucking their tongues at me. They believe it. They'll forget it as soon as this is over. They'll remember that even if we once did go with each other, it was finished and done with even before the war ended, before you even met Clay. No, they won't forget it. For the rest of my life... As long as I stay here, oh, hold it a minute, Francie. Yeah, Doc, what is it? Oh, am I interrupting? What is it, Doc? Uh, our topsy's finished. I examined his liver and lights. His this story. is Mrs. Richards, Doc. Oh, oh, I beg your pardon, ma'am. I'm sure I, I make no disrespect for the departed. Well? Well, Clay was shot all right, but from the nature of the wound and the coagulation of the blood, I'd say it happened sometime yesterday. I'd say the cashier's bullet didn't go wild after all. How could a dead man gallop away? Well, the wound wasn't what killed Clay. The ball hit the ribcage and bounced off. Twenty-two caliber it was. And what did kill him was the stab in the back, right through the spine. Inflicted sometime this morning. Now, near as I can judge, by a small blade, oh, two or three inches long. It could have been a Barlow knife. Thanks, Doc. Please accept my condolences, Mr. Richard. You call the inquest any time you're ready, Marshal. Chester... Close the door. You see? You see, I didn't do it. I didn't shoot him. All right, then you stabbed him, maybe. You said you never carried a gun. Look, Francie, go home and give matters a chance to simmer down. Matt, I'm going to ask you something. Yeah? 
turn Pete Ziegler out into the street. What? Francie, they're itching to get their hands on him. Let him have him. It'll prove that story's a lie, that you didn't make a deal with him. Please, Matt, I have to live here. Sammy, I have to live here. Matt? Matt. Don't look at me like that. Go home, Francie. Go home or leave town or hang yourself or anything you like. Just go away. Away. Right now. I bought me a bottle at the Alapagans, Miss Dillon. Would you care for a drink? No. Well, I guess the funeral's over. There'll be others. Honey, now I miss that bell. Awful quiet, ain't it? It's just what? Just about on schedule. Are you ready, Chester? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. I'd use a shotgun if I were you. It's more effective when there's a mob to be dealt with. Oh, yes, sir, I am. Ziegler, and you too, son. If trouble starts, lie down flat on the floor and keep your head down all the time. Don't gawk to see what's happening. You understand me? Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right. Dillon! Dillon! Come on, Dillon! Chester, I want you to stand here in the doorway after I go out, where you can cover the back door and me at the same time. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. All right, Chester. Open the door. It's my duty to warn all of you that you're in the breach of the peace. I've sworn to uphold the law. I've killed men in order to do it, and I'm prepared to do so again. Give us a Dutchman, Dylan. Man! I ask you to be sensible and to leave quietly. But if you refuse to listen to reason, if you insist upon being fools, if you've already decided to act like wolves instead of humans, then there's nothing I can say to make you change your minds. All right, you want Peter Ziegler? Well, he's not more than 20 feet behind me, so come on and get him, any of you. One at a time or all at once. Come on. Which one of you wants to die first? You? You? You, Adam? Well, what do you say, Adam? You let him here. Don't let this star on my coat stop you. Come on. There, I'm not wearing it now. Well, come on, draw, Adam, draw. You all right, Mr. Dillon? Yeah. Get his gun. Man, alive, I couldn't even see your hand move. Uh, Marshal, oh, don't tell me. Don't tell Doc, me. Doc, you make one single funny remark and I'll knock you down. You just take him to your office and get to work. Well, uh, I never do mean to offend, Marshal. In my line of work, well, bodies, they're just so much lumber. Make all the jokes about them you please, but not to me and not in my hearing. In my line of work, there's nothing humorous about death. Give him a hand, Chester. No, no, I can handle the marshal. Thank you. Thank you. Just the same. Can you direct me to the marshal's office? Uh, 
Yes, ma'am, right here. I'm Marshal Dillon. Well, I left Cottonwood as soon as I got your telegram. I'm Miss Bonnie. Where's my boy? Oh, we have him, ma'am, safe and sound. Here, let me help you down. Thank you. Hitch that horse, Chester. Right this way, ma'am. Oh, I'm so sorry he put you to all that trouble, Marshal. The truth of the matter is, he's a wild one, and no mistake. Takes after his father, one scrape after another. Uh, he was no trouble at all. I enjoy children. I like to have them around. Bob? Bob, your ma's here. Son? Chester, where's the boy? Did you let him slip past you? No, sir, Mr. Dillon. He never got past me. Look, the back door's open. He's seen me and he hightailed it, the devil. <laughs> we'll round him up for you, ma'am. Don't worry. Oh, I don't know why I bother hauling him back. If he's run away once, he's run away a thousand times. This time he ran because I wouldn't buy him a gun. He wanted a real one. That boy's just gun crazy, I swear. I got him a nice Barlow knife instead. Barlow knife? I reckon it didn't signify an off he runs. Barlow knife? A kid. Just to find that kid. Marshal, has he done something bad with it? I told him to use it careful. He promised he'd use Wait, it careful. No, no, never mind, Chester. He's got Clay's strawberry ruin. We'd never catch up to him. Oh, I try to bring him up right. I tell him to be good, but he don't listen. He just don't listen. Now, calm yourself, ma'am. Just calm yourself. Here's your little bundle, Mr. Dillon. What? Yeah, give it to me. That's pretty heavy. Here, you're better at knots than I am. Open it, will you? For the moment he was born, he's been nothing but tribulation to me. Now, please, ma'am. <laughs> What's he got in it, Chester? A shirt, stocking, piece of sausage, and this. Forty-four double action. Yes, sir, Mr. Dillon. That's Clay's gun. Sonny didn't manage to keep it long, did he? Well, if he wants a gun that bad, he's bound to get hold of another one somewhere, somehow. Chester, call Mr. Hightower over. Hey! Hey, Mr. Hightower. Oh. Come on over. Mr. Dillon wants you. Marshal, could I have please a drink of water? What? Oh, Ziegler. Uh, I forgot all about you. Uh, uh, Chester, where are the keys? Yeah, right there on the desk. Yeah. Uh, there we are. It'll be safe for you to go home now. I, I can go back by the farm. Yeah, that's right. I'll send for you for the trial. Oh, Duncan should. Duncan should. Watch where you're going, you dumb. Excuse me. Yes, Marshal. Mr. Hightower, it appears that we can do business after all. Get some paper and a pencil. I want some notices printed. Fire away. Wanted for murder. Wanted for murder. Uh, what's the boy's name? Bonnie. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. William Bonnie. Age 12. Height about five feet. Hair light, eyes blue. Mm -hmm. I don't suppose he's known by any other name. I know. Everybody just called him Billy. Or the kid. Also known as Billy. The kid. <laughs> Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. 
Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Walter Newman, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Don Diamond, Parley Bear, Harry Bartell, and Howard McNair, with Richard Beals, Paul Dubov, Georgia Ellis, and Mary Lansing. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Longtime favorites Amos and Andy are rising to new heights in their CBS radio series on Sunday nights. Heard on most of these same stations, Amos and Andy find trouble as constantly as ever and make it just as funny and as human as they have for more than 20 years. Be sure to hear Amos and Andy this Sunday, won't you? Right after the Jack Benny Show. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, there's fast, funny quizzing on the Bob Hawk Show every Monday evening. This is the CBS Radio Network. Pick up a copy of Conflict with Shadows today from your favorite online bookstore. Across the nation, communities and the parents of Boy Scouts are observing Boy Scout Week, agreeing with the boys themselves that adventure, that scouting. broadcast, the makers of G. Washington Coffee will bring you each week at this time a dramatization of one of the famous stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I don't know how many of our listeners will agree, but for us, this is a red-letter day, because it marks the beginning of another series of visits to the comfortable, firelit study of Dr. Watson, to hear his hair-raising reminiscences of Sherlock Holmes' adventures, and to drink his delicious G. Washington Coffee. Dr. Watson was not with us last winter because he was taking what he called his sabbatical year. It seems that he spent a great deal of that time with a certain travel-worn and battered dispatch box in the vaults of Holton Company, private bankers in Charing Cross. Out of it, he has unearthed papers containing notes on Sherlock Holmes cases which have not been told previously on the air. So now we stroll down the quiet, tree-lined street. Yes. Here's the house with its dark curtains. We turn in the neat little path. The familiar door with its brightly polished brass knocker opens to welcome us. And we find ourselves in Dr. Watson's well-remembered study. Easy chairs, the rows of worn books, the kettle steaming cozily on the hearth. Everything just the same. 
Even the old doctor? Yes. Well, 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 this is like old times, isn't it, Mr. Bell? Yes, I do. I have no idea how I've missed these little sessions of ours. But here, what more appropriate way to celebrate our reunion than by preparing a cup of our old favorite G. Washington coffee? That's what I've been looking forward to, Dr. Watson. Ah, I see you have everything ready to make it. Oh, it was very easy. The only preparation necessary was to heat the water. Then I'll take the lid off the can. Mm-hmm. A teaspoonful of G. Washington's coffee crystals in your cup. And one in mine. Add the hot water. Yes. Yeah. Help us out the cream and sugar. Thank you. My, that's good. You're a perfect host, Dr. Watson. No, no. You're pulling my leg. Being a good host of G. Washington's coffee, Mr. Bell's no trouble at all. It only takes a minute. And it's as easy to make as a slice of toast. Or as easy to use as granulated sugar. How's that for freshness and convenience? Well, I'd say, like Sherlock Holmes, it couldn't be beat. Oh, no. Another hint, Mr. Bell. <laughs> Well, yes, we'd better get on with our story, I suppose. What adventure are we to start off with tonight, uh, Dr. Watson? Uh, how'd it be if I tell you how Sherlock Holmes solved the case of the Hebraic breastplate? Hebraic breastplate? Yes, it was quite a famous museum piece. Some authorities went so far as to say it had been worn originally by King Solomon himself. At any rate, it was supposed to have a curse attached to it. To my own personal knowledge, it caused the death of two men and nearly robbed an eminent scholar of his good name. Well, that sounds sufficiently ominous for anyone, Dr. Watson. It was, Mr. Bell, it was. Why, even now, when I recall that night in the dark, deserted halls of the Belmore Street Museum, with the moonlight sliding slowly from one of those incredible mummy cases to the other, but there I go, anticipating myself as usual. Well, anticipation, you know, you're starting chills running up and down my spine. <laughs> Have I indeed? Inconsiderate of me, wasn't it? Well, plenty of time for that later on. In any event, the whole thing started one foggy afternoon in March of the year 1894. You know the sort of day we have in London at that season? A yellowish fog blew in cold, dank waves down Baker Street. There was no day for venturing abroad, and yet that was just what I was planning to do. As I entered the sitting room of our lodgings in search of my top hat, I found the place in even wilder disorder than usual. In the midst of this chaos sat Holmes, his long tapering fingers and his hawk-like nose intent on a singularly unsavory mess of chemical abracadabra. Retort, seized and boiled, the weird blue flame of the Bunsen burner was reflected in his eyes. Quiet, Watson. Absolute quiet. Don't move. Don't breathe. A man's life depends on this test. 
Now, you see this leader retort? Yes. Contents as the appearance of clear water. It is clear water, Watson, with the addition of an infinitesimal amount of an unknown substance extracted from a small stain on a man's coat sleeve. Is that substance blood, human blood? That's the important question. Now, we add a few white crystals and wait for the reaction. Ooh, I think the water's changing color. It's turned a dull mahogany. Yes, and there's a distinct brownish dust precipitated at the bottom of the retort. Magnificent. Positively magnificent, Watson. The old guaicum and microscopic tests for the blood corpuscles was clumsy and uncertain. But this test, the Sherlock Holmes test, is infallible. The prisoner is guilty, Watson. Guilty as the devil. That brownish precipitate will hang him. Holmes, you know, your scientific cold-bloodedness gives me the creep. Ah, nonsense, Watson, nonsense. You wouldn't hesitate to shoot down a hawk that had been preying on your livestock, would you? Why hesitate to destroy the criminal who's been fattening on the blood of human beings? Must you be so graphic in your descriptions, Holmes? Where's my hat? What hat? My top hat, of course. I left it in here when I came in from losing my patience this morning. How anyone can expect to find anything in all this litter? Oh, yeah, Watson, if you can't keep track of your own wearing apparel, I'm sure that I can't... Oh, uh, that, uh, that wouldn't be it by any chance. Where? Uh, there, on the floor by the desk. Oh, I say, Holmes, you've used it as a waste paper basket oh, sorry, again. Sorry, Watson, sorry, but if you would leave it about, oh, what would you want with a hat this late in the afternoon? Surely you're not thinking of venturing out into this foul weather? I am. I most certainly am. Furthermore, it may interest you to know that since you become involved in this soup case, the house has smelled like a cross between a crate of distinctly senile eggs and a bear pit. The weather may be foul, but it's not as foul as the atmosphere of this room. I mm, no idea. No idea. You were so delicate. Besides, I've just received an invitation from my friend Ward Mortimer to go round to the Belmore Street Museum and view the collection. Indeed. Mortimer's about to take over the curatorship, I believe. And what's become of the old curator, Professor Andrews? He can't be much over 55, and the reputation of his management and lecture courses was excellent. And he turned in his resignation at the last meeting of the Board of Trustees, I believe. Yes, yes, but for what reason? Oh, something about failing eyesight. Yes, yes. Felt they should have a younger man in charge of such a valuable collection. Promised to accompany Mr. Mortimer on his first tour of inspection this afternoon. They say the professor's a wonder. That's why I'm particularly anxious to go. Yeah, so now Ward Mortimer is trying to fill the professor's shoes, huh? I thought he was still excavating near Thebes in the Valley of the Kings. Oh, no. After Mortimer exhumed what's believed to be the mummy of Cleopatra in the inner room of the Temple of Horns at Philae, he decided to come home. Uh, so he found it, did he? Yes, I thought he might. Watson, I think I'll join you in your visit to the Belmore Street Museum. But look here, Holmes, you weren't invited. No matter, Watson, no matter. Ward Mortimer will be delighted to see me. It was I who suggested to him that he should dig at Filey for Cleopatra's remains. Besides, uh, now that you mention it, the, the air in this room is a bit tainted. Yes, it might be as well to go elsewhere until the uh, aroma clears away. Unexpected pleasure. I'm delighted to see you again, Mr. Mortimer. So you found the lady where I told you to look for her, huh? You mean Cleopatra? Yes. Indeed I did. 
But how in the world you knew she was there is beyond me. Now, I keep telling him he's lucky he wasn't born a few centuries back. He'd have been burned for witchcraft. Uh, nonsense, Watson, nonsense. The whole matter was extremely simple. Merely the correct interpretation of an old papyrus that has never been correctly translated before. So that's beside the point. I believe we are here to see the treasures of the museum. Of course. I'm a very neglectful host, I'm afraid. I don't believe you met Professor Andrews. Mr. Holmes, Dr. Watson. Uh, how do you do, gentlemen? Uh, this is a great privilege, Professor Andrews. Uh, 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 you're very kind, gentlemen. And this is my valued assistant, Captain Wilson, whom Mr. Mortimer has been trying to persuade to stay on. But Wilson has been invited to join an expedition that is intent on digging up dusty relics in Asia Minor. We feel we have at last located the site of the ancient city of Troy. Just think what it would mean, gentlemen, to see the very halls where Helen lives, to walk the streets where Achilles, Hector... <laughs> there you are. Uh, it's what I call the digging fever. All archaeologists suffer from a curly attack of it. <laughs> but uh, come, uh, let us begin our tour of inspection. Uh, for me, this is at once a proud and a sad occasion. But in any event, my love of the collection is, I hope, greater than any personal regret. This museum needs the supervision and protection of a man in full possession of all his faculties. Oh, no, and, Professor. Uh, my failing sight. Uh, however, enough of that. There are 15 rooms in this museum, gentlemen, all given over to the treasures of the Orient. But this hall in which we are now standing, which contains the Jewish and Egyptian collections, is undoubtedly the pick of the lot. Now, let us take the Jewish side first. Yes, yes, indeed. And here oh, is what man. I believe to be the only authentic duplicate of the famous seven-branch candlestick of the temple, which was brought to Rome, as you know, by Titus, and which is lying at this instant somewhere in the mud in the bed of the river Tiber. And uh, here in this case is perhaps the most valuable article in the entire museum. Now, where did I put the key to this locker? Uh, uh, oh, yes, uh, here we are. Uh. I say it is a beauty, whatever it is. Twelve enormous stones, all different colors, like paint in a paint box, and set in gold. And each stone has some funny-looking scratches on its surface. Those are ancient Hebrew hieroglyphics, Dr. Watson. This is the Urim and Thummim. The Urim and Watson? Urim and Thummim was the name given to the jewel plate which lay on the breast of the high priest of the Jews. Which fact you would remember, Watson, if you'd paid better attention in your Sunday school days? Oh, really? Holmes, Mr. Holmes is correct, gentlemen. The jewel's breastplate of the high priest was held in a special reverence by the ancient Hebrews, somewhat as the Sibylline books were regarded in the capital of Rome. This particular Urim and Thummim is the most magnificent in existence. In fact, uh, I believe I'm correct in saying that it belonged originally to Solomon himself. At any rate, those hieroglyphics are supposed to be the curse of Solomon. Curse of Solomon? Yes, uh, this breastplate is supposed to bring death to anyone who lays irreverent hands upon it. Uh, that is why no one but Captain Wilson and myself have been allowed to handle it. I see. In other words, something has occurred which leads you to believe the curse is still in effect. Well, I'm not what you would call a superstitious man myself. And yet, within a week of the time when that cat first came to this museum, the night watchman was found dead one morning with the breastplate in his hand. You mean he'd attempted to steal it? Uh, probably. Jewels as magnificent as these are bound to be a great temptation. However, I must say that since the first calamity became known, it has been left entirely unmolested. Yes, the stones are remarkably large. Uh, may I see them more closely, please? Uh, are you, uh, oh, please, uh, you must pardon me, Mr. Holmes, if I've seen too cautious, but I would rather you didn't touch them. You see, I would like to bring my curatorship to a close without any further activity. Uh, oh, yes, yes, it's quite understandable, I'm sure. I only wish to determine their classification. Oh, I can tell you that. 
Counting from the top left-hand corner, the stones are carnelian, peridot, emerald, ruby, lapis lazuli, onyx, sapphire, agate, amethyst, topaz, burial, and jasper. Captain Wilson, who is a practical authority upon precious stones, will tell you that these are remarkably pure. Oh, quite. And the gold work is also worthy of attention. If you'll observe closely the tiny pattern... Uh, pardon the suggestion, but uh, you'll find a finer example of the Jewish gold work in the candlestick in the next case. Uh, quite so, Wilson, quite so. And uh, we can all handle that quite freely. Uh, come, gentlemen. Uh, uh, Wilson, uh, you will return this best sacred case, if you please. Certainly, Professor Henry. And uh, make sure the case is locked. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, here's the key. Thank you. And now, gentlemen, um, let's inspect this gold candlestick. Uh, uh, one moment, Professor. This uh, mummy case, this is a uh, recent acquisition, I take it. Yes, sir, certainly, but uh, how did you know? Well, there is a tiny particle of excelsior packing still on the floor. Ah, so there is, dear me. I'm, I don't think the teeny woman is getting carried again. Now, about this mummy case, surely it is of Egyptian origin, and yet you placed it here among the Judean relics. Ah, very nice point, Mr. Holmes. The mummy case is undoubtedly of Egyptian manufacture, and yet it was unearthed in the remains of Solomon's temple, probably the last resting place of some high priests who admire the Egyptian culture. These various oriental civilizations often overlap. Yes, know. yes, but does the case still contain the mummy? Oh, yes, indeed. Interesting coincidence, isn't it? The high priest returns to watch over the urine and semen which he wore some thousands of years ago. Yes, he is a curious first gentleman. No one can be say. Oh, 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 Get it off, sir. Get it off, sir. Too late, Professor Andrews. I'm afraid the poor chap's dead. Dead? Not entirely, Professor. Mm. The poor chap has something held tightly in his right hand. Now, let's find out what it is. It's extraordinary. Rigorous setting already. Yes, I can hardly extract the thing without breaking the fingers. Yes. Yes, yes, just as I thought. It's the Jewish breastplate. For the love of heaven, give it to me before something happens to you. Oh, calmness, your professor. The curse has spent itself at least for the time being. That breastplate. I wish I'd never lay eyes on the accursed thing. Poor Wilson, what a horrible end to my term of office. Professor Andrews, Wilson's death, if I am not greatly mistaken, is not an end to anything. It's just the beginning. <laughs> to eat all the kippers? I'm merely doing it to prevent you from blowing up, Watson. Your waistline's a disgrace. Here, pour me out another cup of coffee. There's a good chap. Spoiled, that's what you are. <laughs> utterly and irrevocably spoiled. Yeah, it was tragic, the sudden death of that poor young chap yesterday afternoon. You mean Captain Robson? Well, who do you think I meant? Humpty Dumpty? <laughs> Who'd have thought to look at him? The fellow had a bad heart. And it wasn't his heart that caused his death, Watson. It was Solomon's curse. Oh, now you're being fantastic. Well, there's nothing fantastic about that curse, my dear Watson. It's very real and extremely efficacious. What are you babbling about, Holmes? The ancient oriental poison in the little needle hidden in the back of that Jewish breastplate. No, the ancient Orientals knew a great deal more about poisons than we do, thank you, heaven. You mean Captain Wilson was poisoned? Oh, what do you think? You saw the Titanic convulsions, the extreme post-mortem rigor? I do. You may be right at that. Maybe. I am right. 
Wilson was killed by the jolly little mechanism hidden at the back of the breastplate. Yes, but if that needle thing in the bob still works, oughtn't you to warn the authorities or something? No, no, not necessarily. No use harrowing the poor old professor with the idea that the death of his guard and his assistant might have been prevented. Yes, but what if someone else gets himself punctured? Well, that's not very likely, Watson. You see, I took the precaution of removing the little pin before I handed the thing back to Professor Andrews. Well, then, if the danger is removed, what made you say that Wilson's death was just the beginning of the trouble? <laughs> Oh, come in, come in. Ah, uh, Mrs. Hudson, and in the role of Hermes, if I'm not mistaken. Who's she? Uh, he, Mrs. Hudson. He, Hermes, was the messenger of the Greek god. You mean the one with the feathers on his hat and on his feet? Yes. I'll thank you not to compare me with the likes of him, Mr. Holmes. I've got more clothes on, I hope. Oh, yes, 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 quite, quite. I was merely alluding to the letter you have in your hand. Addressed to me, if I am not mistaken? It is that. And what's more, it is urgent. Come by and it is. The messenger's waiting in a cab outside. I don't see. Well, 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 let's see what it's all about. Yeah. Mm. Dear Mr. Holmes, we have been robbed. Come at once. Signed Ward Mortimer. Well, Watson, get your hat. You have the answer to your question, and I hardly hoped it would come so soon, though. The breastplate has been tampered with. Someone must have done it during the night. The settings of the first six stones are rough and jagged, as if, as if someone had scraped around them. Looks to me as if someone had been trying to take out the stones, eh, Holmes? My fear is that he not only tried, but succeeded, Dr. Watson. And these six stones are imitations. Well, you may put aside your fears in that score, Mr. Mortimer. I'll stake my reputation that all six of these stones is genuine. Thank heaven for that. And what in the world does the thief want? Well, perhaps if we consult Professor Andrews in the matter, we I might... try to get in touch with him, but it seems that he left the Scotland last yeah, night. Pity. Oh, did the watchman hear anything in the night? I've questioned him thoroughly, I promise you. He made his rounds four times as usual, but at no time did he see or hear anything amiss. And yet this job must have taken the better part of eight hours to complete. Now, could this thief have entered through the window? Possibly. Yeah, or heavily barred. Furthermore, I myself attended to the locking and bolting of the main door last night. All the locks and bolts were intact this morning. Oh, and uh, that uh, skylight up there, now, where does that lead? That goes on to the lumber room, Mr. Hoden. But it's remained unopened for years, as you can see by the dust on it. Well, uh, what other openings are there to the museum? There's a door to my private room. Mm -hmm. But even that is locked at night, and in order to reach it, anyone from the street would have to open my outer door as well. And neither you nor the watchman heard anything? Not a thing. Significant. Very significant. Yes, Watson, I think a night spent in the lumber room upstairs is indicated. The work is not finished. Six of the stones remain untouched. And I'm very anxious to see the intruder who can slide through a locked door and who is completely invisible to your night watchman, Mr. Mortimer. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha. 
off that board watch and it creaks like a rusty hinge. Sounds like it's as dark as the inside of my pocket up here. Ooh! Ooh! It's all I've stumbled over something. Mm -hmm. That, if I'm not mistaken, is the skylight we've discovered. Yes, sir. Yes, I can feel the glass. It's so covered with dust, you can't see a thing. But let me wipe it off. Stop, stop. Leave it alone. We don't want to be visible to anyone from below. Yes, but how in the I'll see it off a peephole for you and one for myself. Now, if you lie down on the floor and put your eye to that. But in my best trousers, the place is filthy. Well, here's some sacking I brought along. Oh, right. But I must say, I'm not... Out that dust. Well, you sound like a 21 gun salute. Do you want to frighten the thief? But I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> the moonlight shining in through the window down there is extremely bright. Thank heaven. How weird everything looks in that light. That mummy case seems almost alive. Holmes, what's that curious evil glow directly below us? Like many colored eyes. Those are the gems in the Jewish breastplate. There's only six of them seem to be on fire. Yes, for the very good reason that only six of them are real. But you said... Never mind that... what I said. Keep your eye on that breastplate. It's 11 o'clock, Holmes. Yes, we won't be able to wait much longer. Holmes! The head on that money case. Look, it's moving. Good Lord, so it is. The lid is sliding back. The mummy case is opening up. Oh, there's a hand in the opening. A white, thin hand of a mummy. What if it's the high priest? Holmes, let's get out of here. I don't know what's in. Don't breathe. It's not a mummy. It's a man. A small, thin man. He's stealing out the mummy case like a fox out of his burrow. Turns his head quickly from left to right. I can't see the face. Holmes, Holmes, he's slinking to the case. The case that contains the breastplate. He raises the lid. Voice oh, faces in the moonlight. Good Lord, it's Professor Andrews. Oh, he says you confounded. He's trying to get away. Wait the glass, Watson. We must stop through and catch him. Here, hold him up, Watson. Oh, no, no. He's down. I've got you. Hold him up. Hold him up. Light the gas. Are you coming? Have you got him? Yes, light the gas. Don't let him go, Watson. No fear. Good Lord. It's Professor Andrews. Of course. I knew it from the first. I'm still under thief. Oh, no. You're wrong, Mortimer. Professor Andrews is not the thief. The thief is dead. Uh, thank you, Mr. Holmes. I, really, my conduct is entirely reprehensible. I realize that I am not a thief. In fact, I didn't realize the jewels had been stolen until I found them in Captain Wilson's effects after his death. Yes, I knew they were false when I saw them yesterday afternoon, Professor. I didn't want to spoil your last day in office. Oh, that was very kind of you, Mr. Holmes. When Wilson stole them, I don't know. You see, my eyesight has been failing for some time. And although I used to be a very good judge of precious stones... Yes, I... but Holmes, you told me yourself this morning that those jewels were real. Only the first six my dear Mortimer, only the first six. Professor Andrews replaced those last night. Unfortunately, his handiwork was not as neat as Wilson's had been. You probably to his failing eyesight, and you were able to detect it. Yes, but Professor Andrews, when you found the jewels, why didn't you inform the police? What good would that have done? It would, it would have discredited my whole regime. And back in the name of Captain Wilson, no, surely he's paid the punishment of his crime. Furthermore, I owed it to him. After all, I knew of that poison needle. I thought the mechanism, the control, it wouldn't work. It is true, but I should have had it removed. Oh, don't blame yourself too severely, Professor. The cause of Wilson's death goes further back than any of us remember. 
back to the curse of Solomon. After all, he had laid profane hands upon the breastplate of the high priest, and the wrath of the god of Judea is not to be taken lightly. story, Dr. Watson. But how did Sherlock Holmes deduce that it was Professor Andrews who had tampered with the breastplate? Holmes would say, elementary, Mr. Bell, elementary. Professor Andrews is the only person who knew the night watchman's routine and could therefore keep out of his way. Besides, Holmes figured that Professor Andrews had probably retained his key to the curator's door and could therefore slip in and out of the museum at will. Simple, isn't it, when you know how it's done? <laughs> as simple as making a cup of G. Washington's coffee. There you go, pulling my leg again, Mr. Bell. If the solution of that crime were as easy as making this coffee, why, a four-year-old child could have solved it. But here, I'm sure you'd like another cup. Elementary, Dr. Watson, elementary. You can't go wrong on that deduction. Of course I want another cup, but... Can't I have one of these new one-cup services and make my own? Oh, pleasure, Mr. Bell. I see they fascinate you as they do everyone who sees them. Tear open the soft metal top. Yes. So, yes. empty the fresh crystals into your cup. Yes. Add the hot water. And there's a cup of fragrant coffee as fresh as fresh can be. There's no end to G. Washington magic, Dr. Watson. Next week at this same hour, Dr. Watson will be with us again with another of his famous stories of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Listening to the Strangers and Pilgrims podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's shows. Visit our website at www.strangerspilgrims.com.